Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Episode 2, Season 2, the Boundary AFLW podcast. My name is Nick Negropontis. My name is still Chloe Malloy. Still unchanged. <laughs> is there any consideration of changing um, or brand, cha- brand change or... Oh, maybe one day. Meta World Peace style or... Maybe when I, you know, I meet the one... Ooh. Maybe I'll change my last name. <laughs> For now, Malloy's, Malloy's the show name. I'll stay with that. Yeah, that's good. That's the Collingwood <laughs> history name. Well, it is too, actually. So yeah, yeah. you, you got to keep that for your career, at least. Yeah, for, I'll give it as a career title, but yeah. who knows? Well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, we have a big show for you today. Reigning league best and fairest, uh, Maddie Prespakis from the Carlton Football Club is going to join us. Rising star alumni. Yes, she is. I know I've introduced her as a rising star and completely disrespected her. In that <laughs> she uh, is actually the BNF winner. Well, and she did that at the age of 19. She she completes our, our um, rising star our guests uh, booklet because we had Isabel oh. Huntington last year. Um, and I think that's all of them, including and yourself. And I'm, I'm part of the podcast. You're, you're, the, you're, the, you're the inaugural. No, wait, no, Ebony was the inaugural and then it was you and yep. then it was Maddie and then, then it was, it was Izzy. Izzy. Yep. Yeah, we have some quality uh, quality players on this. Yeah, I, I guess I won't uh, get your answer on who's going to win it this year because we're doing our predictions show probably next week. So we'll stay go. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. We will go through that. Um, we'll get. Um, our list of predictions and stuff up. We might even take some Instagram questions next week. You never know. We'll see how that goes. Yes. But for this week, um, we're going to get into our, our questions for each other. We've got a bit of a theme this week. Um, if you're not aware, there was an article, a really interesting article written uh, by Part-Timers Media last week, uh, last week, yesterday, by uh, Eilish Ross, who is a uh, Richmond defender, talking about uh, the the difficulties of being an AFLW player when you live sort of a bit further away and not having the support um, of your club, essentially, in terms of being able to find a spot to live. And we thought that was just a bit of an interesting uh, topic to discuss, especially in 2021 when things are a bit up in the air and sacrifices are being made all over the place, except unless you're the Indian cricket team and then you have to make your own bed. And oh, Imagine making your own bed. Anyway. Oh, it's a hard life, isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to, Chloe, just give your thoughts on... on uh, the the article from Eilish Ross, just go through it, tell tell um, the people who haven't read it um, what was said and, and things like that. So the part-timers, I definitely should give them a visit. It's a independent group of AFRW players all with um, a background in journalism. Um, and they pretty much are just exposing, and I know exposing can come across as a negative connotation, but they um, are just getting stories out there of what it's really like to be an AFRW player. Yes, it's all the glitz and glams of, you know, fulfilling this dream of playing football and and whatnot, you know, childhood dreams come true, um, but it's not as, I guess, easy as it looks um, or easy as some players um, make it look. Um, and the article that, that's come out with Eilish Ross, who was um, an old teammate of mine is just going into depths about how she came to Collingwood, was drafted. She's a country girl. Um, if you talk to her, you'll figure out that out pretty quickly. And she's from Aubrey and just how she commuted down um, from Aubrey to um, to the city and how that kind of took a toll on her and just, I guess, things she was promised. Um, it just... I think what she had in her head, it was nothing like that. And the expectations kind of fell a little bit short and mm. it, it was hard on her body. And, and I think she's still struggling injury wise, just yep. the body and the travel obviously takes its toll. And, um, it's just an, yeah, it's a great article and I would, um, definitely, uh, encourage you to read it. Um, yep. she speaks about having no accommodation despite the promise of it being organized upon her arrival. She had to live with a friend's uncle upon arriving in Melbourne and, had no job and support network, so was forced to travel back to Albury after training um, on days off to work at her family pub. So that's tough. That's a tough commute to make pretty regularly. So I guess in our questions today, our mine are all themed around this. Um, feel free to have your questions however you, <laughs> however you want them. Um, but yeah, I guess just can you put into perspective, like in terms of being an AFLW player and the sacrifices required across an entire year and particularly over a summer to to make this dream a reality. Yeah. And I'll correct. It's not sacrifices. So to say it's more choices. Like we all choose to be yep. an AFLW player. It's a choice to put your name into the draft and, and to do it. I guess sometimes you just don't really know what it's going to be like until you're amongst it all. And for me personally, like you, 
I sent you a screenshot the other day of just one day in my life and it was absolutely hectic. Yeah, Mind true. you, when things pop up and you've got to change things around, it can get real crazy. And we we train after hours, um, so and it's not enough income to support life like mind with travel accommodation um mind you like i've just moved out and i've you know independently living now so all the bills are going to add up um and we give up weekends we some girls get home from work to go to training are literally exhausted and Mm. exert every bit of their energy to play AFRW and this is not saying and I'm not trying to get a violin out and say it's poor us because it's a choice and we've got to start somewhere but for the part-timers just exposing these stories it's when I ask for sympathy it's just like this this is the the reality this This is is what's happening what we have to do to get on a field to play AFRW um and yeah it, it takes a massive toll like I'm even today like I'm super exhausted I trained last night we got season launch tonight Training tomorrow, Saturday off, but we've got a practice match on Sunday. So your Saturday, you know, I'm not going to go lay at the beach for two hours like I would like to because I've got to get up Sunday. Um, I've got to make income elsewhere. Um, you know, like all these factors that just come in that we, so we can perform and play AFRW. Mind you, Eilish had to travel hours and hours in a car and sitting yeah. in a car is not good on your body. So yeah, like I said, I'm not trying to get the world's smallest violin out and play it. Um, I'm just trying to make people aware that it is. It seems pretty reasonable. I mean, as someone who works in a, I mean, journalism is a pretty weird industry, but it's still a pretty normal thing where I drive to work and then I drive home from work or I work from home in a pandemic. Like <laughs> you have to do that, then also be a professional elite athlete with scrutiny from the outside. Like it's, it's, I, it's not. I don't think it's complaining. I think it's just a realistic look at what it takes to to be an AFLW player. You mentioned you have to pay for your own travel and accommodation. Yeah. So really, yeah. It's not. It's you pay for your own rent. You pay for your own petrol. Oh no! Like, I mean, like when you go into state. Or when we go into state. No. So okay. interstate. Um, the AFLPA they protect the players very well and they look after us. So we don't. I think we get a an allowance each day. Um, and they pay for travel, but for like someone like Eilish, like going back and forth, you've got to pay right. all of that and you pay your own way. If you want to move from the country to the city, yeah. you've got to be ready to afford it. Yeah. Okay. And it ain't cheap. Good. I was worried for a second. No, that no, no. The, a- no. Okay, the AFLPA protect us in that, in that sense. But yeah, that's just the reality of playing AFLW. And mind you, if you don't have an understanding workplace, then it just makes your life even harder. Yeah. I imagine. Because there's put like we play... We play Thursday night, mm. so I have no doubt those girls cannot, you know, they can't just ask for a sick day or, or hey, boss, I'm playing tonight. Can I get a day off? Because a business is a business. A business got to run. Yeah, everything's that we do, you know, it's after hours and we travel, so yeah, it's not it's not easy to say mm. the least. And that's fair enough. And I'd like I said, I've said it again. The article is a great read, just on the inside of A for W plays and. Just the amount of effort um, and passion that we put into the sport that we play. Yeah. All right. Uh, you want to go with one of your questions? Yes, I will kick us off. I'll, I'll go out of this theme, but you are more <laughs> than welcome drag to us bring right it back, back in. Um, Pont, did we jinx injuries? Uh, a little bit. Uh, we did knock on the wood, though. So I know. But. I feel like it might have been wood because the, all the AFRW news this week was injury, injury, injury. And I was like, oh, yeah. no. We said that. It's a bit annoying. I, I still think they're less than last year, but again, I'm probably ruining it again. But if, you, <laughs> if you've missed the news, uh, Gold Coast midfielder Jackie Yorston is out for 2021 with an ACL, which sucks because she was a really key part of their midfield last year. Yeah. And she's a really talented a young player. To, big hole to fill for the Suns. Uh, apologies if I butcher this. Ain Ty is out for, for 2021 with ongoing knee issues. And Alicia King at North Melbourne is out for 2021 with hamstring issues. So those are three injuries that happened this week, which all injuries suck, especially when they're... Because, you know, it's not like the men's season or a two-month injury, you're back in the middle of the year. Two-month injury, you're done. You're done. Like, no one missed two weeks or three weeks, and that's like yeah. a quarter of the season. So you can see why girls kind of put off, I guess, surgery or elect to, I guess, recover naturally because they're like, I just want to play. Mm. It's so short. We waited so long. What was that like for you? You missed a full season with a, with a foot injury. What was that like for you being on the sidelines, having to do your recovery while also, you know, supporting a real life. 
Oh, it was lonely. Like you could be in a crowd full of people, uh, a room full of people, sorry, and it's still pretty lonely because just, you know, people ask how you're going and, and everything like that. And it's, you know, it, it is genuine. They don't ask just for the sake of asking, but you kind of just like, you just, you'll never understand it. And it's nothing against you. You just don't get it. And you yep. get so it's rehab and recovery is just a lonely place and um, you can kind of only empathize if you've been through it and, and fully understand it, but I'm better for it. But yeah, it was quite, uh, I know it's a big word, but it's depressing. That's fair enough. I mean, it, it must be, you, you're spending, you, you spend your whole year building to, to one thing and then you, you can't do it while everyone else can. Like, I know. And in a blink of an eye, like, I feel like mine was a, a long-term injury. I feel for someone like Alicia King, who, who's, it's a hamstring, but yeah. You've got to make a decision to either put you on the long-term injury list and we get another player or we risk trying to get you back to the season. And obviously yep. North have um, elected to put on the long-term injury list. So yeah, <laughs> sucks is an understatement. <laughs> so back to the sort of um, broader question, do you as a, I know you can't speak for the, the entire league, obviously, so just speaking for yourself, do you want it to be a fully professional competition in the future or in your playing time or do you like the part-time nature of it where you get to do other things or what, um, you know, in the winter and mm. away from, away from hours. I, in my head, I see it as I see myself playing AFRW full time. Like that's my, that's what I foresee. Um, I'd love it to be, I think it deserves to be. Um, we'd like to play everyone once and we'd like to have teams more. Obviously I understand Money's a big thing in it and clubs need to be able to afford it. And we've just, you know, we've got to create revenue and that'll obviously come. It's kind of a bit of a waiting game. Um, but yeah, in my head, Pon, I see myself in the next, by the end of my career, playing as a full-time AFLW yep. athlete on contracts that last more than two years. Um, you know, maybe signing seven years like Brady <laughs> Grundy or whatnot. But in saying that, I still probably think full-time, but also having, I'd still do things outside of it mm. just to because sport is not my everything, so I do things out of it. But fingers crossed that within the next decade yep. that we can have AFLW as a full-time thing. Well, the pressure will rise on the AFL as they increase the size of the league to increase the length of the season. And as you increase the length of the season, you have to increase length of contracts and all that. So hopefully it gets to a tipping point where they sort of just have to make it Yeah, well, I'll put, that, I'll put that question back on you. You're a stats man, numbers man, and you, <laughs> I, you've got a respected opinion. Do you... Do you see the AFRW coming full-time or being deserving to be full-time? I mean, it's deserving to be full-time. There's no question about that. I won't pretend to know like whether it will or whether it won't, but it's a it's a good question because obviously the, the CBA is in place to 2022 at this 2022, point. 2022, yep. So everything after that is on the table, I guess. And it's hard, like the, the players just want to be paid a livable wage. Like it's not, it's not asking too much, I feel, especially... Players like yourself and and Maddie Prasparkas, who who's coming up, and Eilish Ross, and these younger players who are coming through, who, like their male counterparts, have gone through junior systems, have gone through pathways. They're an adult, and they now move into footy, but they can't solely move into footy because that's not a, a livable thing. But they're also like say a um, I can't even think Jamara Ugelhagen or something. He hasn't had to worry about you know I've also got to go to go to uni and I've got to learn a degree or I've got to you know, do a trade or something. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to worry about that. Whereas someone like yourself or uh, Ellie McKenzie has to, you know? So that's, that's the, that's what I think needs to be solved is, is an assurity that if you pick this uh, pathway for your life, that it will support you in the same way that cricket did in the same way that netball to an extent does, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's what I'm thinking. I like your thoughts. (laughs) Your question now, I threw that one back to you. So that was like, that was that was sneaky by me. <laughs> well, I've got a um, similar topic, but do you think future generations will look back on this first generation um, in a way where it's like you guys laid the foundation for it in terms of, you know, just building this thing on your own and doing it in a non-professional way? Do you think future generations will look back on this as something that set the groundwork for everyone else? Or do you think, like, I'd rather it happen in, in my generation, you know? <laughs> Um, look, I'd selfishly, I'd like to happen in my generation. I just, I don't think that is reality, but I do hope that, um, you know, the generations after me, um, will look back and, and kind of say thank you to the girls. Like I look back now and I say thank you to all the women that helped get 
women's footy recognised. And I hope that it, it's kind of a flow and effect and the generations after me, after my age group, um, will look back and be like, oh, I'm so glad that we had, you know, those trailblazers that fought for it all. And like, we've only been around five years and we've had some pretty strong women, um, you know, in a way kind of demand equality and in the society that we live in, um, you know, equality is a massive, massive thing. And, and we've had people that push for it and and push for our rights and, and everything like that. So yeah, the foundations have definitely been laid. They've even been laid with concrete. I don't think they're moving ever, yeah. um, especially if we still have involvement of, you know, those ones that are so passionate about it, which I think they'll forever be involved in the AFRW community. And it is a different vibe to any other, I guess, work environment because um, we we have set up something pretty incredible and I'm very fortunate to be part of it and come in when I did. Um, and help, I guess, lay the pavers out for future generations. And yeah, yeah it's what we've done in five years to, to even like, you know, look in the crystal ball and think what's going to happen in 10 years. I, I don't even know. Like we're just, we, you know, you like your graphs. I just think that line's <laughs> just going to keep going up and up and up and it, the competition and the community will get a lot bigger, especially if we've got those, like I said, those passionate women involved in, yep. in our space. And I'll go away from that theme just to be annoying. No, good, um, good. We need to get more positive now. <laughs> uh, well, take this as a positive or, or negative if Uh-oh. you want. You're a you're a Carlton Boas man, if no one knew. Oh, no question. And I had a message from you last night. Um, how cut up about you? Cut up are you <laughs> about Taylor Harris being? That low in Sarah Black's top 30. Sarah Black is getting a lot of airtime on our podcast, by the way. Well, there's no one else doing top 30s <laughs> until today, because today I am launching my own top 30, <laughs> not as a protest, because I am more than happy for everyone to have their own opinion. And I wish more people had informed AFLW opinions um, regularly on the internet. So I'm going to be doing my own top 30. But um, to me, Taylor Harris is the best forward in the competition. Like it's not even close. Unless you're counting Aaron Phillips as a forward, or Jasmine Garner as a forward. They're midfielders in my eyes. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's close. Like, if you had to pick one key forward in the competition right now to build your team around, it's Taylor Harris. It's not close. She kicked a goal in every game last year. She's the best contested mark in the comp. She's, uh, as um, despite what some might think, she's a good ground-level player. Um, and she's um, she brings other teammates into the, into the game. And it was the key reason why Carlton's forward line was so effective last year. I just... I don't understand why she wouldn't be on the verge of, of a top 10 player in the comp and especially not rated as, as the number one key forward in the comp. And before I get any tweets, <laughs> saying that someone is better than someone doesn't mean that the other player is bad. Like, yes, my point here is that uh, Sarah Black had Gemma Houghton ahead of Taylor Harris. Gemma Houghton's in my top 30. It's pretty good to be in a top 30 uh, list when there's when there's 400 players. So that's I'm not having a shot at Gemma Houghton here. I'm just saying Taylor Harris is a better player. Yeah, and I like that you say it's not that when you, you're saying she's a good player that you're putting the other player down, they're not good. You just, They are both great, great players. Yeah. It's just different assets they bring to a team. And for anyone listening, he's not cut and biased, is he, at all? Oh, no, there's no denial here. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, will never, I will never not be cut and biased because then I, I would just be boring. He has a blues lanyard on for, for oh, those yeah, who I are interested. <laughs> and this no is, idea about it. No, I had no idea. This is To be fair, you only get lanyards from memberships, so... How else do you, where else do you keep your work? How long have you been a member for? Uh, I'm not a men's member. I'm a three-year AFLW member. Hey. It's cheaper and you get the same email, <laughs> you get the same emails. But um, no, I'm an AFLW member because my AFLW team is good. My When my men's team wins 10 games, then, then we'll talk. <laughs> I'm going to get tweets about that too now. Great. Probably. Anyway, um, so our plan today is is to chat to, to Maddie Prasparkas. We'll, we'll get to that next. And then after that, I'm going to do the first half of my top 30. So we'll go from 30 through to 16. Um, Taylor Harris will not feature in that first half of the list, just a spoiler. Um, but yeah, so let's, let's get to, to Maddie Prasparkas. And we are joined by the rising star. Well, actually that's an old title. We are joined by AFRW best and fairest, uh, Madison Prasparkas. Thank you for joining us, Mads. So how is preseason going? The cliche, typical question that we are going to kick the interview off with. Uh, yeah, it's going, it's going good. Um, obviously, it's challenging. Um, 
because that's the way we like it. But yeah, I'm not a fan of running, and I say this every year. So um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of pre-season, but no, it's been really good. The girls come back in really good shape, and um, yeah, we're looking pretty good. So um, yeah, pre-season's been really good. Um, obviously, same as everyone, it's a long process, but yeah, now that there's two weeks till round one, it's pretty exciting. So yeah, definitely. Keen. I can't. I, I agree. I'm pretty excited about run one um, and the rivalry against us. Um, not being able to play for 12 months, um, Pressy. Like, how did that impact you? Like, what did you do during that break when footy we were deprived of it? Um, yeah, obviously it was it was weird because everything just sort of wrapped up um, right there and then, um, and then we just sort of had went from playing footy and then just had absolutely nothing. So. Um, yeah, at, the first, at first it was nice to obviously relax um, after such a short but intense season. But And then when you have a month off or something and then you realise there's literally nine months till we start mm-hmm. playing footy again. Um, yeah, it's pretty. it was, I think, more stressful than anything because it's like, well, like, what's going to happen now? Like, what's our next season going to look like? But mm-hmm. um, I was actually living with a guy that was playing in AFL at the time. So um, I was able to keep in shape and like run with him and train with him which was really good um through their off period as well um but yeah I think it was just trying to find motivation to keep yourself going because when you don't have footy or anything um trying to run every second day or Mm -hmm. um, run gets kind of boring and repetitive so I think it was just trying to find mates when we're allowed to of course yeah um, and kick the football but yeah it was quite repetitive over that for seven months and um yeah towards the end you get sick of it so I think yeah, rocking up day one of pre-season, it was like starting school all over again. So, yeah, it was really good. Speaking of school, Mads, um, a few new faces around the club, Elise O'Day in particular. What, how has uh, she looked in uh, pre-season so far? Oh, uh, yeah, she's awesome. Um, Elise, is, she sort of just walks straight in the club and it's like she's been a part of us for the last couple of years. And um, I really enjoyed having her as a teammate and getting to know her as a um, friend as well. And, um, I think, yeah, she's going to be an awesome leader for us, but um, more so teammate. And, yeah, I couldn't be more excited to play alongside her. What do you reckon she's going to add to your midfield? I mean, last year there was a pretty heavy reliance on yourself, um, Grace Egan, Katie Loins. It was a it was a pretty steady midfield group. What do you, what do you think um, adding Elise to that mix will do? Um, I think just a bit more strength. Um, obviously, um, yeah, she's such a strong player, and we found that when we played against Melbourne last year and the last couple of years. But... Um, I think just her leadership as well. Um, like you did say, myself, Grace, Lucy, um, you know, a few of the younger girls. We've got quite a young midfield. Um, most of us are under 21 at the moment. So uh, for her to come in and sort of um, keep us sort of afloat, but more so just add that leadership and her experience of the last four years in the AFLW will definitely help us. But, um, yeah, we're super excited to play alongside her and she's been amazing for us over the pre-season. But, um, yeah, we've learned a lot off her and, um, yeah, she's not afraid to tackle us when we need it. But, um, no, she's been really good. And I know that myself and the other girls have really enjoyed having a, a part of our team and can't wait for the next um, season with her and um, what we've got ahead as well. Yeah, Junior's a great player, Mads. And just speaking of the leadership that she brings, um, for yourself personally, is, is leadership something that you want to focus on this year? Um. Yeah, I think, I'm not sure. I haven't actually thought about that too much. Um, I do get asked often, but I think for me, um, I want to sort of keep myself as a 20-year-old. Like, I want to enjoy my football and sort of Mm -hmm. play just like, just enjoying my football. I think that's my main focus is um, not sort of taking that pressure and um, sort of having that external noise where um, you get treated a little bit older than what you actually are. And I think for me, my main focus is um, after such a big season last year, I think I just want to make sure I'm just playing my role for the team and just enjoying it because um, that's the reason I, like we play football is to have fun. And, um, yeah, I think that's my key focus. But at the same time, I do enjoy some leadership sort of role. Um, I think having some more young, some more young girls that we've just drafted come into the club as well, um, sort of being a sort of role model for them coming through the midfield, I really enjoy it. And um, sort of being able to give them feedback and experience for myself, um, that's been really good. But yeah, I, I am keen to do some leadership stuff. But I think my first and foremost focus is definitely playing my role and just um, enjoying my football as well. You're speaking of um, being only 20 and having already accomplished 
so much in, mm-hmm. in the game from, from an individual standpoint. How do you reflect on 12 months later being the, the current league best and fairest? Um, yeah, it's like, it. I think, um, like, it's always emotional to talk about because it's such a pure shock to myself. But I think, um, yeah, it definitely hasn't sunk, sunk in at the moment. Um, it still, still feels pretty fresh. Like, I still feel like I know exactly what happened um, on the day. But, yeah, it's very exciting. And to think that um, that sort of happened, I still actually don't have words to describe it. So, um, yeah, to be obviously under that title alongside, you know, the past winners is pretty exciting. But, um, yeah, I don't really think too much of it because I still don't know how to describe it. But, um, yeah, I don't look too much into it now. Um, it's sort of in the past now and um, obviously it's a massive honour, but it's sort of – it's um, it's almost a year ago now. So um, my main focus is, yeah, just for round one coming up. But, um, yeah, for what we've got ahead. Have, did, you, did your teammates give you any uh, stick at all for polling three votes in every win? Uh, no, well, Grace actually, Grace Egan joked about it and said that she just she gave me votes for some games and she she didn't want the votes that game, so she decided to pass them along to me. But no, nah, a few of the girls cut me a bit of slack, but um, no, nah, they've 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 been really good and obviously um, it was a hard time during the off um, period where there was COVID that we didn't really get to um, sort of celebrate our season as a team and things like that. So. Yeah, I didn't really see any girls till the start of pre-season, so it was really nice um, to obviously get around my teammates and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, there's a few girls that joke about it, um, saying that they gave me the votes and stuff. <laughs> no doubt Loinsy had something to say about that, and that's so generous of Grace Egan because uh, she's, a, she's a tough nut. Um, but speaking of the one and only Greg, how is the household going? Are we going to see a, a household link up from... You know, Egan to Press Parkus to Harris to a goal. Is that something that you've spoken about at dinner? Oh, yeah, we actually spoke about it last night, at dinner, <laughs> to be honest. Um, we actually spoke about it not too long ago um, that we did a bit of Mad Simmer training. And, um, yeah, we remember that me and Grace were in the midfield together and then we kick it down to Taylor. And, um, yeah, you do think about it a little bit because we're all just living in the same house. But, um, yeah, we do joke about that a bit. But house has gone really good. Um I'm keeping everyone afloat in the house, so that's good. Um, so Greg's surviving? We're trying to make sure everyone's cleaning up. Can she cook yet? Uh, yeah, Greg, Greg's doing well. Greg's doing well. You know how she is. She's along. <laughs> nah. But no, house is going good and the girls are really good and they're in a good space. So, um, yeah, good season ahead. Yeah. I'm excited to watch you three, especially Greg. I feel a big season coming on for her. Um, but how do you? how do you, I guess replace someone like, you know, Chloe Dalton, who's off with the Olympics, who I sure would love to be playing, but just can't due to her commitments and, and Hosking as well. Is it a case of replacing him or is it just getting those younger girls to step up and I guess, you know, pretty big shoes to fill? Yeah, um, I think um, having Elise O'Day is obviously a huge inclusion for us, but um, we've picked up a few younger girls in the draft that um, will come through as midfielders. Um, we traded a couple of girls that will also probably float through that role. But um, I think at the same time, it's sort of the same sort of situation we had when Bree Davey um, traded out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a huge hole to fill. Um, and I think there was a lot of pressure on us thinking, what are we going to do um, this season without Bree? Because obviously she's a great player and that's a big shoe to fill. But I think, yeah, it's the same thing. Everyone's just got to step up, play the role that they've always been playing. And um, I think the sort of final result takes care of itself. And I think it just gives another younger girl an opportunity to come through and um, earn her stripes um, through that sort of position. Um, But I think, yeah, it's just everyone just has to step up just once again. And then um, I think, yeah, hopefully it'll be good. Speaking of Brie, it's probably your first game against her round one because she missed... uh last year's game. Will there be any uh, niggle out there? Will there be any uh, words exchanged? I'm sure you two will line up against each other. Um, yeah, it's actually the first time we'll play against each other. But, nah, I don't really say too much on the field. Um, I'll probably give her a smile and say hey or something. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, obviously when the ball's there to be won, um, I'm sure we'll go hard at each other. But, um, yeah, no, no words will come from me. I'll, I'll rephrase <laughs> the question. Who will give her lip? Katie Lawrence. 
Oh, yeah, look, yeah. <laughs> Probably Katie Lyons. <laughs> just a bit but of... No, not, not really anyone. Um, I think it's just one... When, when the ball's there, I think, you know, we'll just... Obviously, everyone wants to win the ball, so... We'll just see who wins it then. <laughs> Great. Your straight bad answers uh, have been practiced perfectly, Press Barker. Nothing like a bit of friendly banter on the field. I don't mind that. Um, speaking of round one, how are you feeling? Are you excited over all the training and all the running? You mentioned you don't like it and you're preaching to the right crowd here because I'm one the same. Are you pumped to get out there and, and just play footy? Yeah, super pumped. Um yeah, I'm sick of running in straight lines and doing sprints and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I can't wait for round one. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure you're the same. And, um, yeah, a bit of friendly fire out there, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> who, who do you reckon we'll see uh, round one, uh, Maddie? Um, most of your team is pretty much carried over from last year, but there's a few few girls, Abby McKay, uh, Mimi Hill, Charlotte Hammonds, Maddie Guerin. Do you think uh, these girls are in line for, for round one? Or um, is there anyone in particular who's uh, standing out? Yeah, um, I think Elise, yeah, obviously Elise O'Day, I think, yeah, will be, um, come straight in um, and, yeah, add that bit of grunt around the ball. Um, but I think, um, yeah, you've got players like Mimi Hill, she's come in as an under-18 girl that's definitely pushing for selection. Um, she's earning her stripes. But I think Abby McKay's come a mountain um, since the end of last season. She's worked super hard in that off period and, um, yeah, she's come into this preseason looking one of our best, I'd say. And, um, yeah, she's really earned her stripes um, and she's just done a mountain of work in, in her running and things like that. So um, I'm excited to see what she can do this season. And I think, yeah, she'll be definitely in that round one mix. No, awesome. That's great for your young ones, just adding more and more talent to your list. And speaking of talent, Cade Simpson was a pretty uh, big get for you guys. I definitely was envious that you have someone of his caliber come into your into your program how how have you found um his coaching style and how have the girls responded to having someone like him um amongst your program yeah i think none of us girls actually knew that he was going to be one of the assistant coaches we just thought we'd have the same forward coach that we've had the last couple years um and then yeah next minute sort of just got message through to us that Kate Simpson was going to be our new forwards coach. And I think girls were just more starstruck than anything. I think um, he's such a big Carlton man and he's just not even just that, just the biggest, like one of the biggest players in our game at the moment that's just come off the 19 season career. Um, so yeah, he was awesome. And I think, yeah, as soon as we got to meet him and actually work with him um, to get to know him, he's a very quiet guy. So we've had to break his shell a little bit, <laughs> um, but he's been really good. I think the girls, um, the girls really love asking him questions and nagging him and things like that. But I think, if anything, he's been really good for us. He, I think he loves that we're so keen to learn. Um, and like like you said, from his calibre, he's got so much to give. Um, so he's been really um, open and honest with all of us. And, um, yeah, he just loves us asking him questions and nagging him all the time. But because he's got so much to give, he's got so much time for us. And mm-hmm. um, he's been awesome and he seems to love it. So that's good. And um, yeah, he's, he's now he's starting to crack a few jokes. So I think he's definitely come out of his shell. He's warmed up. <laughs> uh, one last one from, uh, from me, Maddie. Um, I read somewhere that uh, Georgia G and Darcy Vesey are going to spend more time in the, the midfield this year. Is that, is that something uh, you guys are doing at training? Um, I think, yeah, obviously having that versatility through your list is um, always helpful. But, um, yeah, it's sort of um, any – I think any play, like everyone's been having a go um, through all different spaces of the ground. So I think, yeah, if they're needed to come up and we need some of us are needed to float, float forward through their positions and things like that, we're able to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think being able to train in different positions like they are and like so many of our girls are is really good because then if you need to throw someone around like that, um, they're able to do it and play the role for us. So, um, yeah, hopefully see them higher up the ground. But, um, yeah, just sort of whatever happens, happens. Awesome. Well, Maddie, thank you very much for giving us some of your time. Um, best of luck in round one and make sure you, you give Chloe some, some um, extra contact in, uh, in round one and get the win for the Blues. No worries. Thank you for having me. Good luck for the weekend, Chloe. Thanks, you too, Mads. I'll see you round one, bud. Matty Prasparkis there from the Carlton Football Club, and you can become a game changer in 2021. Carlton AFLW membership packages start at just $50 for adults and $30 for juniors. 
Call 1-300-227-586 or head to carltonfc.com.au today. She uh, has set a high standard for herself, um, winning the BNF Pont this year, which is pretty um, this year, sorry, in 2020, the year that was, the year that'll go down in history. Um, never speak of it again. Never speak of it again, unless you're Maddie Press Parkis. Fair enough. <laughs> um, she's just a quality player and it, I mean, she can only get better really. Well, Elise O'Day, as she, as she mentioned, is literally the perfect addition for Carlton this year. I think Maddie carried a really heavy load last year and I think your Magpies actually exposed that pretty well in terms of, uh, taking her out of the game to an extent. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, Carlton's midfield, it didn't shut down, but it was, they didn't they didn't get on top of the game as much as they usually did. Um, Grace Egan was awesome in her first year. Uh, Katie Loins is, is still reliable in there. They don't have Chloe Dalton. They don't have Sarah Hosking. So those are two pretty big losses, especially on the outside, which is why I think we'll see Vessio and G playing further up the ground. But having Presparkis and O'Day together is going to be really important for Carlton because now you have someone with with size who can who can go in there and help her out so she doesn't have to deal with let's say a Davy and a Lambert at the same time you know mm-hmm. so that's that's why I think it's pretty important and geez Maddie's 20 years old she's gonna have to build a new trophy cabinet pretty soon <laughs> oh no she's probably got a uh a carpenter in the house now um <laughs> building out that trophy cabinet well there's three of them in in the house well, Taylor Harris mentioned. might be young Victorian of the year or something or young Australian of go. the year at that one there might be a household trophy cabinet between three of them Jeez. yeah Greg's gonna have a few as well she's a fantastic uh player and speaking of fantastic players, oh, what, Pont- a, what a transition! I have not seen this top thirty, so you yep. are all going to be um, have a live reaction of myself. Yep. Um, so we're going to go from thirty to Six, twenty, thirty to sixteen today. Thirty to sixteen. Um, um, and remember, this is not a, a criticism. So if someone on my list is lower than on Sarah Black's list or higher, it's not a criticism because they're still really good because they're in the top thirty players in the competition. Or if they just miss out, they're in the top. 40 plays in the... It, relax. Right? <laughs> Take a chill pool. This but is hey, all if, for fun. We, any traction is good traction. So if you don't <laughs> like it, let us know and we can discuss it on the next yep. podcast. Tweet at Chloe Malloy with uh, three L's. <laughs> He's all um, over the handles. Um, and, and get her thoughts. But I know you obviously um, can't give too deep uh, thoughts, but I'll be very curious to know what you think. So before we get into the top 30, here are my rules. So... I've got different rules to Sarah Black. She's not including anyone who didn't play in 2020, I believe. No. You have to play three-game minimum. Yep. Yep. All players eligible for mine. All players. All players eligible. All players. Um, rankings are as the as of the end of 2020. They're not a projection of 2021. So it's where things sit, with the ob- obvious exception being someone like Jess Duffin or Chelsea Randall, who didn't play last year. They've just been based on 2019, obviously. I am biased uh, towards younger players who are more have more impact on games and more game-changing talent rather than your workhorse consistency types. Sue me, I'm an NBA fan. Um, apologies to defenders as well because you're probably not going to be as high on this. I am, despite what you continuously say, I'm not really a statistics person. Um, I look at them, I use them in articles, but this is ranking is based on... No, I like it. Based on the eye test. Let's, like let's call it. it the eye test. All right, so, you've got me, you've laid out all your rules. So Those are the rules. Hashtag layoff pond. Layoff pond. Um... Come on, give me the top 30 already. I'll give you four who missed out. Okay. First, uh, honorable mentions. Uh, Alicia Eva, Sarah Allen, our girl Ebony Marinoff, and Caitlin Greiser. They were 31 to 34. Okay. Condolences to those players. <laughs> they've, they've missed out. Um, players to watch who could be in the top 30 by the end of the year. Uh, Georgia G, as well as uh, the, the four players I just mentioned. Georgia Patrikios, Catherine Svark, I really like. Nina Morrison, obviously, probably will be a top 30 player when she is able to play yeah, enough games uh, and Kate Hoare as well has missed out. So those are the players who I think um, have the potential, but maybe are on the young side or just not there quite yet. All right. So number 30, again, one of our favorites, Kalinda Howarth from the Gold Coast Suns. I think she was one of the most exciting players in the game last year, jumped onto the scene. I can't wait to see what she does with another 12 months under her belt. Number 29, similar style player at Fremantle, Sabrina Duffy. Um, technically the leading goal kicker from the year, if you include the finals. Um, she's a very exciting young player. I want to see her do it against uh, the best teams. She's, she does feast on a few of the, of the, of the lower teams, so we'll, we'll, we'll watch for that this year. And if she does, she can skyrocket up this list because she's in, extremely talented. At 28, I've got Anne Hatchard, um, your, your girl. Um, one of the most prolific ball winners in the comp. Uh, 
if her ball use improves this year, she can she can be a top 15 player in the comp. Mm-hmm. At 27, I have Gemma Howden from Fremantle, um, one of the best players in the comp in terms of impacting the scoreboard, X-Factor, everything I love in a player. Um, was accurate in front of goal last year, needs to keep that up after a few inaccuracy issues before that. Her teammate, Ebony Antonio, at 26, one of the more reliable players in the competition. Speaking of reliable, this is the reliable um, batch of, of the list. Emily Bates, Brisbane, 25. What just has been an elite A-grade midfielder since season one. And there's only really a handful of players who have played every season and been an A-grade midfielder the entire time. She, like, flies under the radar. Yes. She does, but she doesn't. Because the minute you mention her name, I'm like, oh, yeah, quality player. Yep. But it's like, because she is one of those inaugural players... Mm. Um, it's like, she, I don't know. It's not that she's not spoken about, but she's not spoken about. Like, I guess it's also the Brisbane thing, you know? Yeah. Same, same thing with Alicia Eva, I guess. Like just gets it done every week, but because yeah. playing for GWS doesn't it, get as much plaudits. It's typical victim of their own high standards. Yes. That their consistency is what the team needs, but because they are, you know, it's just expected of them to be good every game and, and yes. Yeah. Good on you, Batesy. <laughs> Up there. Howarth, Duffy, Hatchard, Houghton, Antonio Bates. Any any thoughts so far? No, I'm I'm liking it so far. Um, I like that you got Howarth in there. She's, I guess, and, and speaking of the Suns, she's going to have to step up again this year for them, especially um, with Yorson going down. She might even see the midfield because yeah. she's a player that they probably will have to rely on mm. this year. And they're such a young side. And I think she's mature enough to get in amongst it all and do that. Um, no, I'm, I'm happy with what you've got so far, Pond. Good, 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 good. I'm happy with that. Number 24, Geelong captain Meg McDonald, who I think is one of the more underrated players in the comp. I don't know if she's going to be in Sarah's 30 because she hasn't been in it yet. So if she's a top 15 player, you know, I'm not mad about that because she only played four games last year and I had her in my All-Australian squad. She, she was that impactful on, on Geelong's uh, back line. And hey, she's a defender and you mentioned defenders might not get in this. Speaking so... of, 23, Ash Brazel. Uh, who I think um, is another just super impactful player who can play essentially anywhere. Um, obviously, you know her way better than I do. Um, what do you What do you think of that? Well, I, I hope for her sake this season she can get back um, to it coming off that knee injury. And, you know, I'm not sure if she's going to try to get back for netball or for footy. Like we said, injuries are a lonely place. Mm. Um, and she's been out on the track training with us. I'm not sure if season's out of reach or not. Um, And I guess I do worry a little bit for her because her biggest asset was her leap and everything. But no doubt she's putting in the hard yards to, to, you know, come back and be, you know, half the player she was because even then I think she's still a a very quality player for us and for the league. So, yeah, I'm not in disagreements yet. (laughs) Well, you might be in disagreements with the next one, but – yeah, I hope Ash Brazel plays plays this season. But even if she doesn't, we've seen with ACLs, it kind of takes 24 months for a player to, to really get back to their best. Yeah. Number 22, Chloe Malloy. Who's that? Yeah, she's all right. I don't know. I've never heard that. Sarah Black had her at 29. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is, though. Who's that, that, that one that they picked up? The one that weirdly missed out on the All-Australian squad last year. <laughs> um, oh, you're too kind, Pont. Thank you. 22 is a 22. good number. 22 like is two, a good two, number. Two. Um, with 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 scope to to rise. Speaking of uh, Elise Parker, twenty one, one of the best meters gained contested players in the competition. Another one who could be a top ten player by the end of her career. See, this is good. Her her name goes under the radar as well. Definitely. So we are bringing we I say you sorry are bringing a lot <laughs> these players that don't that don't have the big flashy names but get the job done every week. Someone who I think might actually be a top ten player at the end of this uh, season, Olivia Purcell from Geelong who had insane numbers last year playing in that Geelong midfield, especially once Nina Morrison went down. Her numbers, she she carried that midfield. And she did it at the age of, what? She had, That was her first draft year last uh, year? Second, I think. Second. She's in the same draft as Maddie and Nina, I think. Oh, yes, God. Years are just going from me, <laughs> underneath me. Yeah, she definitely stood up when Nina went down. And, and credit to her, like we don't want a player to go down ever. But yeah. Um, Purcell definitely took on that role. And I know when we ever scout Geelong that Purcell's a name that we bring up quite often um, in that midfield group. She's, yeah, she's definitely a quality player. And I, I think all these players have scope because they are all kids just to keep going, pushing up higher and higher up your list. Well, that's of, the thing. It's such a young list, I noticed. 
I, I'll calculate the average age next week. Yes. But it's a very young list. Um, so that's 24 to 20. Meg McDonald, Ash Brazel, Chloe Malloy, Elise Parker, Olivia Purcell. And now we have a trio of North Melbourne players. Oh, here we go. Hit me. 19, Jenna Bruton. 18, Ash Riddell. 17, Jess Duffin. <laughs> you still got Jess in there. I had her as a top 10 player the year before she uh, sat out. Right. Can I, like, can I ask why? Uh, I think she, at the time, was one of the best kicks in the competition. And yes, she was playing in a very good team. And obviously that gives you a bit more freedom. But I thought she was one of the most damaging players with ball in hand um, in the competition. And to me, that is the most important thing in AFLW. I might be wrong. I'm not a coach, you know. Mm. But for me, retention of the footy and, you know, being able to break a game open um, and separating yourself from the pack with that is is arguably the most important thing, especially across the wings and halfback. Definitely. Well, in a game of footy, the only way to score a goal is if you've got the ball. And even with that trio you just said there, it's almost like they compete with each other. They're all just so good that it is so hard to to rate them and be like, oh, all right, so who's their best midfielder? Because mm. you could literally throw it between Jazzy and Jenna and if Jenna's covered off, then Riddell steps up or Riddell's off. Like they're just, it's a never ending in their midfield group. Of- the scary thing is they were all good. Every game last year, like they, in North Melbourne, six wins, Riddell, Bruton, Garner and Carney featured in the AFL Coaches Association votes in every single one of their wins. Sorry, three of the four of them featured in their Coaches Association in all of their wins, which is terrifying because, okay, maybe you can stop Carney, but the other three will get you or you can stop Bruton and the other three will get you because that's to me why North Melbourne is probably the team to beat this year because of that four. And so we'll finish number 16, Daisy Pierce. Hey, Pierce got in there. She did. I think she's going to be higher on um, on uh, Sarah's list, and I think that's fair enough. She's probably still the smartest player in the comp. Oh, would you I say? think by I think by far, yeah. Like you can just see whenever you watch her play, she just knows where to be. Having her across halfback is the biggest luxury you could you can imagine. <laughs> and it's something that you can't. That's something you don't teach. Like that's that's just years of footy underneath her and um and her ability to pick up the game and read the game and be two steps ahead because that's that comes with experience and obviously yep. Daisy's got that experience um, just because of how long she's played footy for. But yeah, having she's a great asset in, in terms of when she was pregnant, even though she wasn't like when she didn't play, her knowledge that she could inject into players um, is just, I guess, an invaluable thing that you, that you, that she has, mm. sorry, and that we can, you know, soak up from her. And and the trailblazer for being pregnant and coming back at to AFLW level, which we'll see from Jess Duffin uh, this year as well. First, oh, yeah. first one to do that. Daisy's the first one to do that. She was the first yeah. one to do that. Yep. There you go. And, and with twins, so doubly. <laughs> um, oh God. She's not the she's not the dominant Darabin midfielder of of, of uh, years gone by, but she's still, I think, one of the most impactful players in the competition. And I think she always kind of just will be. Yeah, she can play as long as she wants, really. Um, which is another thing I'm interested by. Will we see AFLW players? retire at say 30 to 32 or especially the older ones who didn't have the miles in them and AFLW is obviously quite a short competition I know there's this the winter comps as well do you think we'll see players play till they're 35 36 more regularly or Um, what do you reckon I think the AFLW is a bit more crash and bash just because of the skill level at the moment um yeah and there is it is a more contested game um compared to other our other counterparts so have we will I, th- I do think girls will probably the the seal like you know the ceiling age will probably be 33 34 35 and i apologize if i've offended anyone who's older than that and <laughs> still playing like credit to you cuz footy definitely ages your body um it's aged me i'm <laughs> i'm 22 and i've got arthritis in my foot already and i've got you know chronic back issues you need a cane and i need a, i literally i get up and i'm like oh my god i need a heat pack <laughs> Um, but it, it does age you and I, yeah, cause of the more contested style of game, I think, um, bodies will pull up shorter than, yep. than what we see, um, probably like in, in the male game. That's fair enough. And they have more elite, you know, um, recovery and more time that goes into that. And yeah, I didn't like even, that. that didn't even come to mind, but yeah, like I'll treat, like we are there for a certain amount of hours and then the rest is kind of on you. And I'm just, I'm a lucky person that I have time outside of mm-hmm. footy to go to Pilates and physio and I work at a recovery lab. So like, I'm kind of like ticking a lot of boxes that a lot of others can't. And it's not because they don't want to. 
It's just because life doesn't allow hmm. it. Well, that's why you're number 22 at the moment. <laughs> and I'll, I'll just recap that for you. Uh, th- from 30 down to 16, uh, Kalinda Howarth at 30, Sabrina Duffy at 29, Anne Hatchard at 28, Gemma Houghton at 27, Ebony Antonio at 26, Emily Bates 25, Meg McDonald 24, Ash Brazel 23, Chloe Malloy 22, Elise Parker 21, Olivia Purcell 20, Jenna Bruden, Ash Riddell, Jess Duffin, Daisy Pierce. So that's 30 to 16. We'll do 16 to 1 next week. We'll we'll have a special guest as well for our prediction show, so we'll get we'll get their reaction to it as well. Um but yeah, so that's that's my list so far. Please tweet me if you disagree with any of it. Yes, roast us. Please don't tweet me like, "Oi, where's where's Kate Lutkins? Why isn't she here? Relax." You There's, can do that next one. <laughs> yeah, next next week. She she's going to be in that one, so relax. Um if you haven't heard a player's name yet, she's either in the top 16 or has missed out. So, we'll fi- you'll find out next week, but <laughs> Yeah, that's it. What, what do you got on this week, Chloe? Um, well, we've got a practice match uh, this weekend. I think there's a couple of practice matches. Yeah, I think every team's Everyone's playing. got a practice match this weekend, which will be exciting. Mads mentioned um, playing St Kilda. Playing St Kilda now. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think I can speak league wise on this. We're all pretty keen to get out there and have a run against a side that you know doesn't know what we're doing because all <laughs> we've been doing is this game team amongst ourselves and intra clubs and whatnot. And yeah, it's. It's uh, making it more realistic that the season's coming around pretty quick. Yep. And it, it's, it'll be nice to uh, see where we go up against another Victorian team who have had the same restrictions that we've had and yep. see, I guess, see where the standard of the game is. But you can't take too much away from practice matches because it, we got, I think, North smashed us last year and then we came out and made finals. So Did you play Melbourne, was it? Melbourne or North? We played North Melbourne. Okay. In a, in a, there was the Melbourne one as well in the 40 degree... Heat, yes, I think oh, yeah, on we a had Sunday more. morning. Yes, so it's kind of like the last opportunity for all teams to put into practice. Yeah, before before round one. Yeah, I mean, I'll be hoping to get down to the the Carlton St Kilda game. It's close to the public, so I'll be hoping to use the media <laughs> media pass. I'll be annoying Christian Filippo, Carlton media officer legend on on Twitter <laughs> until he lets me in. But yeah, so that's it. We have got practice games this week, prediction show next week, round one preview the week after that. We are we are rolling. So thank you very much for joining us for this week's edition of the Boundary AFLW podcast. Uh, we will see you next week. Well, we won't see you, but hear from us next week. That, what she said. <laughs>